Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. I haven't had COVID, but I've had two stints of quarantine. <laughs> like, this quarantine gig's rough. I got to tell you, all I do is work. Like, I, I work on the stuff for the church, I work on stuff for Nehemiah, and I work on houses. Like, this quarantine stuff's going to stop. I'm going to die. I'm not going to die of COVID. I'm going to die of quarantine. <laughs> you know, like I got to tell you, I mean, I, I'm building, painting, oh, goodness gracious, you know. Anyhow, it's good to see you, man. I'll tell you what, there, there's things in my life I love. When I travel, I love to get home to my family, my wife, my kids, my, my grandkids. I love that. When I am away from the church, man, I love getting back to the church. I love getting back and seeing everybody. And uh, even today, I got to see somebody I haven't seen in so long. It's just so, I just love it, man. It's just awesome. And um, anyhow. Um, let's see. We'll make mention of a couple things. Um, one is George Bell. We got a trip coming up in when? October? October. There's going to be a trip to Israel. You got, let me tell you something. You got, you, you want to bring the Bible to life. Go to Israel. Okay. We went two years ago, right? Two years ago we went, had a great trip. We're going to go in October. We got a trip planned. If you have any questions, see George. I know we have some pamphlets somewhere, and um, that's in October, $3,900 is everything, and uh, it is a great time, I promise you, I'm in, by the way, I'm in, all right, can't speak for Penny, I doubt it, all right, her and that over the ocean thing, don't get along, but it'll be a great time, hey, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 1, you know, the Bible talks to us as believers to pursue a lot of things, you know, um, Paul talked to the Romans about pursuing the things that lead to peace. Um, I mean, you go on and on in Scripture, we'll show you places where pursue love, and on and on we go, and we find this pursuit. And it got me to thinking about something, and um, hey, Troy, never mind, I found it. There it is. I got it. I got me to thinking about some things, the state of the land, I'm not going to preach about that as per se, but I want to talk about the church today a little bit, and I want to use the church in the book of Acts as a bit of a, a backdrop, if I will, and I'm calling it this morning, the church in pursuit. How many know we are to be in pursuit? Okay, we are to be in pursuit. We are to be in pursuit of the things that uh, godliness, we are to be in pursuit of the things of the kingdom, we are to pursue love, we are to, there's all kinds of things we are to pursue. How many know you will pursue what you love? Okay, one, two guys got that. All right, once again, the dumbest men in America go to my church. Okay, they could just get a few points. Yeah, amen, brother. No, Mel Becker, you're just sitting over there like a stump, like a, just a stump, a bump on a log. You know, okay. You pursue the things you love. You have to pursue the things that you think are a prize in your life. How many of you have ever pursued a prize? There you go. All right, now you got it, okay? All right. So you, you pursue things, all right? And I began to think about this whole state of where we are in America, the state of the church in the book of Acts. And I want to draw some parallels, but I also want to do some of it in some personal application to our own lives. And so I'm going to start here. When you... Uh, the, the church in the book of Acts, the leaders of the church, the apostles, the disciples, the ones that walked with Jesus, all right? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, after his resurrection, that he appeared to him, to them, for 40 days, okay? And he taught them for 40 days about one subject, the kingdom of God. 
all right? He taught them about the kingdom of God. Now, what you have to understand, though, is there were at times in their life that the apostles, the disciples, they just didn't quite get the spiritual application of the kingdom of God, all right? And, and at times, they confused the kingdom of God with the current nation of Israel, all right? And how many know at that time, the two were separate and distinct, all right? And, and so, but yet, in their hearts, their desire, their pursuit, they had a pursuit of political power. That's what they wanted. The scripture tells us this, that then they gathered around him and they asked him. This is after he taught them for 40 days. He said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to get rid of Rome? Are you going to get rid of our oppressors? We have had one oppressive government after another over us, if you looked in history. And is this the time we get our own king? Is this the time we get our own leader? Is this the time we get our own nation? Is this that moment? And Jesus, well, I won't get to that yet. So, so for them, there was a prize. That prize was political power. And I want to tell you today, forget about the church for just a moment, but how many know we've just gone through a year where the prize has been in America political power? There has been a pursuing and a chasing and a whatever else you want to use term, and that has been to get political power, right, to be in control. And that prize has determined the pursuit, has it not? And so, because how many know the prize in your eyes determines the pursuit of your feet? Okay, okay, you guys, you get it. You saw her, she was your prize. That's right, that's right, and you pursued. And oh, ladies, by the way, you did too. Okay, let's just get, let's just cut to the chase, so did you. But you saw her, you saw him. They became that prize, and you began a pursuit. The pursuit of your feet was to get that prize. And you did, you did stuff that was crazy, didn't you? Right? And then we forgot to do crazy stuff after we got married. Listen to me. Less, marriage lesson 101, don't stop doing crazy stuff after you get married. Keep doing the crazy stuff. Okay. Gosh, don't get boring when you get married. <laughs> oh, he was so exciting when I was dating him. So exciting when I was dating her. Then they turned into a bump on a log. Right? Don't get boring. Jeez. <laughs> well, I just became mature. Then stop being mature. It's overrated anyhow. Okay. It's about the, so the prize determined this pursuit and what you were willing to do. And there was a path of pursuit, was there not? Do you understand that in our country we have watched for a year or more a path of pursuit to get a prize? There was a path on the left, there was a path on the right, and that path was people and ideologies and groups following a path in order to pursue this prize. And that's what we have seen for how long? Now, I want to say to you this morning that we, the church, sometimes get caught up in these pursuits, don't we? Okay? Now, Jesus has a response to them. What they wanted was political power. We want our nation. We want this power. We want you to get rid of Rome. We want to rule and we want to legislate the kingdom. When it's God's plan always has been to demonstrate 
the kingdom. So Jesus responds to him, it's not for you to know the dates, the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. You know, I read this scripture, I've read this scripture a hundred times or more, and I've preached from this multiple times. I won't spend a lot of time, because you've heard me preach from this scripture a lot. But I want you to see something. There's something that caught me and gripped me about this, okay? He says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set. Let me say this to you, church. There is a time, and there is a date. Let me say it again. There is a time, and there is a date. There are seasons, and there are epochs. Do we understand this morning that you and I have a Father, have a God, a sovereign God, who has sovereignly and prophetically set times and dates on the calendar? You see, one of the most encouraging things that should happen for the church is the church should not lose heart in difficult or hard times because our sovereign God has set future times and dates to be fulfilled. Did we forget that our God is a prophetic God? Did we forget that there's a date on the calendar in his prophetic calendar that someday the eastern sky is going to part and Jesus is going to come back? There is a prophetic time. There is a season. There is an epoch. It is God who has set it. It is God who has established it. And he is sovereign. Listen to me. Everything that's going on in our world, God is not behind, but it does not remove the sovereignty of God. God is still sovereign. And God will work a sovereign plan through whom he will. Do we understand this morning, the Bible says what? That he sets them. How did God set these times? Did he call up the White House and say, is it okay if I put this on the calendar? Listen, if you want to get a meeting with me, you call Karen. Because if you try to go through me, you might get a meeting with somebody else. Or three other people at the same time. You don't want me doing that. By the way, Karen, I found my second set of keys to the office this morning. I have two sets. I knew where the one was. I wore my black coat this morning. Keys were in the pocket. <laughs> Listen, God has set times and dates. But listen to what the Scripture says. what the Scripture says. By his own authority. Church, get this in your heart this morning. By his own authority. He didn't ask permission. And he's still not asking permission. Do we understand this morning? Listen to me. Let us not get caught up in this quagmire and forgetting who our God is and forgetting a sovereign God who does a sovereign work. No matter, no matter how much the nations rage, he is still sovereign. Now, that does not mean he is behind everything. It does not mean he's doing everything. It does not mean he's orchestrating everything, but he's still sovereign, right? God's, own, God's authority is not diminished by who's in earthly authority. Come on, church. One thing, I know, one thing I know is that there is a prophetic timetable that God has. And there are prophetic dates and there are prophetic seasons, and they will come to pass. Now, you might have a moment here, and you might have a moment here. And in between, whoa. Hear that? And I thought I lost weight. Okay, listen to me. There are, all along God's prophetic calendar, there are determined dates. But everything that happens in between is not predetermined by God. Because how many know he has given human will to individuals? And how many know we do stuff in between? But there are marks on the calendar on the prophetic timetable. Boom. Okay? So there's this, this, and this that may happen in between. But on God's prophetic timetable. How many know that God willing, next year... On September 27th, it's a date on the calendar. I'm going to turn 42. 
you a little kick out of that, huh? Right? But there is a date on the calendar. It's my birthday. Now, there's a lot of stuff that can happen from this birthday to that birthday. Right? The same thing on God's prophetic timetable. There are seasons, there are moments, there are dates. And there's things that happen in between. And all those things that happen in between aren't all God. Can I get an amen? But it does not diminish that God has dates and he has seasons and he has times. And we should be encouraged this morning. We live, we should be living in the anticipation and the encouragement of a prophetic calendar that is yet to be fulfilled. Therefore, our primary pursuit is his kingdom. The primary pursuit of the church is the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say? Seek the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. What is our pursuit today? What is the pursuit of the church? The pursuit of the church is not the White House. The pursuit of the church is not who's in president. The pursuit of the church is the kingdom of God. Jesus told them to pursue the kingdom when Herod was in reign, when Nero was in reign. No, I tell you who I want to be president. I know who I want to be president. It didn't work out that way, but God is still sovereign. You see, and I want us to be, I want to, can I just caution us to church for just a moment? There's a whole lot of stuff out there. There's a whole lot of messages out there. And I'm still wondering, I got to tell you, I watch some of this stuff and I go, okay, so let me get this straight. So I watch this, this pastor from somewhere that I don't have any clue, he's got somebody from the Air Force, the guy from the Air Force got a letter from somebody who then called his father-in-law and the father-in-law then called this pastor, come on, church. I don't know, man, I don't know. And I know that much of the church and much of us want... Trump to be president. And, and listen to me say that. You say, but Pastor, why do you want Trump to be president? I want conservative values to rule. Okay, so understand that first and foremost. It's not a vote for the man. It's a vote for the conservative idealism that I believe in. Okay, I don't believe in a man and a woman. I'm sorry. I, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not even mocking. I'm just saying I, it's, it's incredulous to me, some of it. Some of it is just downright incredulous. Some of it is downright ungodly. Okay, and, and like, we're going to remove every gender-specific word. No, no son, no daughter, no father. What is this nonsense? Stop being stupid. But that being said, all of that being said, let us be very careful as the church, the kingdom of God. Do we really want tanks in our streets? Do we really want martial law? Do we really want a military takeover? Let us be very careful, church, on how we view some of this. Like, I don't know. Let's be careful with that. You see, a church in pursuit of political power will often forfeit kingdom power. For kingdom power and political power are diametrically opposed to each other. They're diametrically opposed. They're, 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 they're black and white. All right? One derives its power from might, and the other derives its power from love. One derives, derives its power from being able to lord over you, while the other derives its power by coming under and serving you. Jesus modeled what it looked like to have kingdom power. And that kingdom power came in love and service and humility and grace and truth. 
injustice. See, we, we got to understand something. We, we don't want to forfeit one for the other. And so this church, this church in the book of Acts was after one thing. We want political power. And yet the promise of Jesus was, listen, you don't know the dates and the times, but there are dates and times set. Come on, church. There are dates and times that are set. Man, I don't know about you. That just excites me. Because it puts our confidence once again in our sovereign God who has put a timetable in place. He said, but you will receive power. Hey, come on. I mean, we still like power. And so now what you see in the book of Acts is you see this transition of these men and women who wanted political power to where now they were in pursuit of kingdom power. There was a shift. There was a shifting in their spirit. There was a shifting in their attitude. There was a shifting in their mindset. Never again do we find them clamoring for political power, right? So, so Jesus makes them a promise. He said, but you will receive power, right? So the promise of Jesus was power. You want power, I'll give you power. But the power I'm going to give you is the power that has been promised for centuries and centuries and centuries when God has promised to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Jesus made a promise to them, and the promise that Jesus made to them was the one the Father had been promising for years. And what was the purpose of this power? The purpose of this power was to lord over. The purpose of this power was to set up an earthly kingdom. Was the purpose of this power to reign and rule from Jerusalem? No. The purpose of the power was to be a witness to all flesh. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Unto where? Judea. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Judea. Samaria. And the uttermost ends of the earth. Do you know today we are here as a result of that church being empowered to go to the ends of the earth? We are here in America in 2020 as the byproduct and fruit 21. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. <laughs> the computer analyst down there, whatever he does down there. I go, 2020, he goes. <laughs> I don't know if he's telling me, shh, hold up, stop. <laughs> 2000, do you ever do that to her? Never mind. One, once. <laughs> Never did that again. <laughs> you see, this per we, we in 2021 in America, do you understand that we are of the fruit of what happened in the upper room that has gone to the uttermost ends of the earth? You see, let me talk to the Pentecostal church. The purpose of Pentecost is not tongues. The purpose of Pentecost was and is power. It was power and it is power. Jesus didn't say, the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so you can speak in tongues. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you so you can be my witness. So you can be my witness. I'm not against tongues. I believe in tongues. I'm not talking about that. My point is we sometimes lose focus on what the big picture was. The big picture was you're going to be my witness. God did not, listen to me, and I want to tell you something. And God did not send the Holy Spirit on Pentecost because they were praying in the upper room. How many of you heard that? How many of you ever heard that, that because they were praying, God sent the Spirit? Well, I've heard it, and I've been in some of the same churches some of you have been in. No. 
It wasn't because they prayed long enough. It wasn't because they tarried long enough. It wasn't that God was up there going, hey, how many days they've been praying? 22. Well, I'll let them go another five. Have they prayed long enough yet? How many are we at now? No, that wasn't it. Let me remind you of something. Dates and times set by the Father. The day of Pentecost was one of those prophetic times and dates on God's prophetic calendar. This was the feast of Shabbat. This was the feast of Pentecost. This was the day that the Holy Spirit would come down. Peter would preach. 3,000 would get saved. There was an offering that would go up to God of Jews and Gentiles. The church was born. Do you understand this morning that here's what happened? They were waiting because he told them to wait. They were praying. And why were they praying? Listen to me. Do you understand what was going on? Like, I want to stop for a moment. This is the group of people who have walked with Jesus for three years and then watched him be tortured, crucified, buried, and then he's raised to life. That would just freak you out, right? And then he teaches them for 40 days, and then they watch him ascend into the heavenlies. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, whoa, dude, what is going on? Like, what is going on? These are uncharted times. These is, this is an uncharted map. We've never been down this road before. Have you ever been down a road you haven't been down before? Yeah, 2020. <laughs> and 21 ain't starting off much better. Well, that saying goes, here's 2021 saying to 2020, hold my beer. <laughs> you know, like... You know, you see, prayer was what they were doing in uncharted times. They didn't know what to do. They, they, they didn't know what was happening which, and was up. What's going to happen next? Are they going to come in? They're going to kill us? Are they going to come in and they're going to destroy us? They killed him. They buried him. Are we next? You understand, they were not living in a Christian church-friendly world. They were an affront to Rome. They were an affront to the religious establishment. And now here they were, supposed to be his witnesses. I don't know about you, but those are some uncharted times. And prayer was the path of pursuit in these uncharted times. They didn't know what was going to happen next. But here's the deal. But we are living in uncharted times. But if his church will pray, it will find itself in the prophetic of God. You see... While everything that happens is not of God, there is still that which is of God. And how many know there's prayer that will bring us into that which is of God? It's not, see, see, their prayer didn't make it happen. Their prayer did not cause God to send the Spirit. Their prayer caused them to step into the prophetic of God that he had on the timetable. And I believe that there are things now that God wants to do that we, in prayer, can step into. But if we have ourselves in the wrong pursuit, we'll never step into it. See, it was in prayer that men stepped into the prophetic plan of God. When you pursue God and his kingdom in prayer, you will step into the prophetic promises of God. Do you know there are things that God intends to do? 
Do you know there are things that God intends to do whether you're part of it or not? Do you know? There just are. And there are times where God is going to do it, but it's in prayer that you come to a revelation and you step into what God is going to do and you can step into it with him. It's amazing how many times we get arrogant in our prayer as if we caused something to happen that God already had on his timetable. But let me say this. So, so while on one hand, our prayer doesn't make it happen, our prayer lets us step into what God is doing, but there is another aspect of prayer that we need to understand that does cause God to do things, right? The church in prayer causes God to intercede in the affairs of men, okay? Peter was in prison. He was laying there. Herod had cut the head off of James, right? I'll tell you a funny story. I was in Spain one year, me and Peter, we were preaching, and I had an interpreter there, and I was sharing on this passage of Scripture from Acts chapter, I think it's 13, where James was beheaded by Herod. And I said, and, and Herod cut off the head of James, and the, the interpreter corrected me. He stopped me and said, no, it was John. I said, no, it was James. No, it was John. So, okay, I'm not going to sit there and argue with you. I'm not going to argue with the interpreter in front of the, the congregation. Oh, okay, whatever. Like, and he, because the, the, the fact of the matter is he was talking about John the Baptist who was killed by Herod, not James in the book of Acts. Okay, so I kept on preaching later on after the service. He went, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's okay, man. We all make mistakes. All right? So here's, in the scripture, Peter is in prison because Herod had seen that it pleased the people when he cut the head off James. And the Bible says, and Peter was next on the chopping block. And he was in prison. He was surrounded and he was guarded by all these guards. But there's a key verse. This is, but the church was praying. And that is a moment in time where I believe you can see where the intercessory prayers of God's people caused God to intervene in the affairs of men. And so what does it tell us today? As a church, we need to pursue, we need to pursue in prayer, and in our prayer, we will step into the prophetic of God, but in our prayer, it also will cause God to intervene and interfere in the affairs of men. And how many know we need an intervention? We need an intervention. You see, the church interceding causes God to intercede in the affairs of men. And so there is this prayer that causes us to step into what our sovereign God is doing according to his prophetic timetable. And there's prayer that causes us to step into what God, to step into what we are doing. How many know it's an and both? Now more than ever, the church, the path, must be the path of prayer that allows us to step into what God is doing but also brings what God, what God into what we're doing. You see, the question this morning is, how are you praying? Are you praying according to the prophetic promise of God? How I many know we have prophetic promises of God in Scripture that we can pray according to? We can pray to according to the prom prophetic promise of God. I don't understand all that has happened in our world. I don't understand why it appears that so many prophets seem to have been wrong when they prophesied about President Trump being president for four more years. I don't understand why it seems that so many were wrong. I got some, some opinions, but how many of that's about what they are? And I don't believe all of them, I, don't, I do not believe for a second all of them are false prophets. And I've seen a lot of that garbage out there. Be careful, folks. 
Jonah went to Nineveh, prophesied you're going to be destroyed in three days. God changed his mind. Isaiah went to Hezekiah and said, get your affairs in order, you're going to die. And Isaiah, I'm sorry, Hezekiah repented, prayed, turned his face to the wall, and God gave him 15 more years. Was Isaiah a false prophet? No. Was, uh, was um, um, yeah, that guy, you know, Jonah. Was, was Jonah a false prophet? No. I don't know what may or may not have happened. I wonder sometimes, and don't take this as gospel because it's just my thinking. Okay, I'm going to let you into the ramblings of my mind. Be afraid. Be very afraid. But I'm like, like, is it just, again, and when I say this stuff, I'm not preaching this. I'm just letting you into my one-hour drive this morning to church because I was away. Is it possible that the prophets heard right? And is it possible that God changed his mind? Is it possible that the church might have been part of him causing him to change his mind? Is it possible that sometimes we as believers have put Trump where God needs to be? And maybe, just maybe, and I don't know that this, I'm not preaching this, I'm just talking. And maybe, just maybe, God says, oh no, I'm going to show you I'm God, even if it ain't your man. No, no, I'm not saying that's what he's doing. Trust me, I'm not saying that. (laughs) What I am saying is God is a sovereign, and God's hold authority, and God can change his mind, and he's allowed to. And he doesn't need our permission to do it. Now, some of you just don't like that at all. But we can pray according to prophetic. Or are you interceding for God to intercede in the affairs of men? Like, God, we need you to move. God, we need you to this. We need you to explain. My prayer, and I have prayed it, and I continue to pray it. My prayer is God reveal truth. God reveal truth. We can't get truth to save our life in this country. All we get is narrative. And now we're living under Jezebel who has killed the voices and is controlling the narrative. I'm telling you, I told you months ago that when I preached to you, I said if this man wins, it will be Jezebel running the country and Jezebel is running the country and is censoring any voice they don't like. And this is not about Democrat and Republican. Forget that. Throw it out. This is good and evil. This is, forget the Democratic thing. Forget the Republican thing. Read the Bible and get a biblical viewpoint. Get a dark versus light biblical understanding of what we're living under. But see, you watch this church, and they had this pursuit, and they were pursuing political power. But Jesus promised them power, and so now we see them pursuing kingdom. And then we see this church in power. Man, you start to watch them. From the day of Pentecost, right? Peter, that guy who denied he ever knew him. That guy who cowered in the face of persecution. He gets up on the day of Pentecost with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he preaches up a sermon. 3,000 people get saved. Man, he should have set up Apostle Peter Ministries. But see, this church in power had a different pursuit. The church in power wasn't in pursuit of political power. For it was in pursuit of God's kingdom. And how many know with God's kingdom comes power? Anytime you are pursuing the kingdom of God and pursuing his kingdom, power comes with it. 
okay? It's whenever we don't pursue the kingdom is when we are absent of power. When you are pursuing kingdom purposes, kingdom principles, I will promise you there'll be kingdom power in your life. We don't have kingdom power because we aren't pursuing the kingdom. God's not going to give kingdom power to people who aren't pursuing his kingdom. See, power apart from God's kingdom is power apart from God. Power apart from his kingdom is power apart from God. Some of us want power, and as long as I have power, it doesn't matter where it comes from. Just so I have power, by any means necessary. How many of you ever get in a disagreement with your spouse? <laughs> okay, a couple over here, a couple. The middle, you saints, okay? <laughs> and, and, and how many know that you ever get in one of those power struggles with your spouse? Yeah, you wouldn't call it that, would you? That's what sorry, that's what it is. And it's really usually, a lot of times it's really over something really stupid. You know, what color are we going to paint that wall? <laughs> ben is pointing at her and Kathy's pointing at Ben. Whoa! Okay. The next thing you know, you're, you're like, oh, happy, we're going to paint the house. We're going to paint the house. We're, we're going to paint it this color. No, we're not going to paint that. How many know, men, shut up? <laughs> I'm just telling you, I agree with you, Ben. We have better taste sometimes. I got it. But I'm just telling you, for your own health and well-being, Okay. And we get into a power struggle. Who's going to win this? Right? Boy, that works well, doesn't it? <laughs> you painted when she fell asleep. Smart man. All right. We'll be changing that today. That paint's already on order at Home Depot. I'm just telling you, brother, it's getting painted. Oh, you picked up her color last night. <laughs> there you go. I have fixed another marriage. Okay. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. We get into this power struggle, and we get into this, and we got, and so, wow, I got to win, and you got to win, and when we, we each of us got to win, and when you win, he loses, and when you win, she loses, and, and now it's a lose-lose. We're looking for power. We don't care where it comes from and how it comes. All we know is we want power. And our quest for power sometimes is driven by our hatred of those who have it. When power for the believer should always come from a heart of love for God and people. Your thirst for power as a believer should be from a motive of loving God and loving people. The church in power was never weakened by who was in power. This kingdom church in the book of Acts, it didn't matter who was in power, whether it was Herod, Herod's son, whether it was Agrippa, whether it was Festus, whether it was Nero, didn't matter. This church exploded. Do you understand this morning that in China, the church is just exploding? Exploding, I'm talking exploding, where it's not allowed to bleed. <laughs> they haven't checked with God's authority, have they? We are not weakened by who's in the White House. 
not now or ever. The White House doesn't make or break God's house. And next week, should everything go as scheduled, should everything go scheduled this week and that Biden becomes president, next Sunday we will in this house pray for President Biden. Like it or not, that's what we will do because it's what God tells us to do. And we will pray for his soul and we will pray for his family and we will pray for our country even though I don't like it. You see, this church, and I've got to hurry up because, you know, I, but really, I haven't preached in like two weeks, you know, so. But then this church, I want to talk about this, the pursuit of perfection. Hmm. Hmm. The pursuit of perfection. Let me start with this. I, 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 there is a, there are things within the church realm that make me crazy. Now, I know that's not a stretch. But every time things happen in our world, there's always those pundits who want to then point out what's wrong with the church, and it's the church's fault, and the church this, and the church that, and the church this, and the church that, and the church this. Oh, stop it. The church is the best thing going. Just telling you this. Where would the world be without the kingdom of God people? But there is this fallacy among many believers that the early church was a perfect church. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Have you read the New Testament? Have you read Paul's letters? Have you read about Paul's letter to the church of Corinth when some dude was sleeping with his dad's wife? Have you read about where Paul was saying, stop taking each other to court? Have you read, have you read some of this stuff? A perfect church? Are you out of your mind? Like there was, this, there was this, there was never a time when God's church was a complete utopian experience, perfectly void of people problems. Like, hello, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira got killed in church. Whew. And that'll change some attitudes. When they lied to the Holy Spirit because they came in and they were faking what they did and they lived in a spirit of hypocrisy. In Acts chapter 6, the Bible says that the Grecian Jews were complaining about how their widows were taken, being um, taken care of. And so there was this. And you on and on you can go. You see later in the New Testament, in the epistles, where Paul is confronting Peter for being hypocritical. I mean, you can go on and on. There was never this time that there was this utopian church where there was never people problems. Because as long as there are people, there are always going to be problems in the church. Can we just lose that fallacy? Because what it does is it builds a false pretense for people expecting perfection in this church. Listen to me. We are jacked up people. The church was and is, though, imperfectly perfect. Say, huh? Imperfectly perfect. Because how many know it was birthed by Jesus? Right? I mean, the Bible says he's the head of the church. Hmm? Come on. I mean, the Bible says he's perfect. Right? The Bible says he's the one washing us, cleansing us, making us spotless to present us to himself. So what's that mean? We are perfectly imperfect. Because how many know the church was his idea? And he's never had a bad idea. Well, given our teenagers free will might have been one. 
Can I get an amen? <laughs> the imperfect church is being perfected by the perfect one. And one day, it will be perfect. But let me say this to you. You are imperfectly perfect. You were knit together in your mother's womb by God. Before you were born, he knew you. And he put you on this face of the earth for such a time as this. And you are alive and you have the breath of God in your lungs. Therefore, there's part of you that is perfect. And yet at the same time, how many know you are imperfectly perfect? Because you got this war that rages in you. Anybody got a war that rages inside of you? You got this nature that Paul talked about. The good you want to do, you don't do. The bad you don't want to do, you don't do. How many of you went, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, we're rescued from this body of death. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? Anybody? Right? And, and I want you to understand something though. See, here's the deal. Even though you are imperfectly perfect, there is a God who is willing to work in you and to work in you until the day of completion, until that day. How many know that he who began a good work in you will complete it? And so while we should never, ever be comfortable with our imperfection, may we understand who it is that is perfecting us. And it's not a work of the flesh. And it's not a work of you. It's a work of God. And I'm going to hurry up because i got 43 seconds left according to that screen, which I'm going to promptly ignore. I haven't even said, come on, Troy, yet. And that's another 20 minutes. But how does God do that? How does some of that happen in our life? How does some of that perfection take place? Perfecting. This scripture in James. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect Complete, lacking in nothing. I don't like trial. I don't like tribulation. Right? How many of you like it? If you do, you're sick, you need therapy. But don't call me, call a counselor. <laughs> My idea of counseling is suck it up, buttercup, you'll be okay. I'm a little more loving than that. Suck it up, buttercup, dear. This is what I believe. We are in a crazy, wild time. 21. 20 was a crazy time. 21. You know, we'll see where it goes. But this much I do know. While everything that has happened and is happening is not orchestrated by God, God will use the political state of our country to perfect his church. You see, there's times. Come on, Troy! See, there are times, let's be honest, let's be honest, that the political state of our country has revealed the state of our heart. That the political state of our country has revealed the state of our attitude. Where it has revealed things to us. Anybody had anything revealed to them throughout this era? Through 2020, how many times have you ever had to check your spirit, check your heart, going through it, right? 
All of us, I would believe. I believe all of us at some point. And we see things, and, and we, we, we see the stuff that's going on. I mean, I don't understand some of the things that, like, I, I look at some of this political quagmire, and I look at some of the lunacy that is being described as woke. Well, that's woke. Go back to sleep. <laughs> amen and a woman. Go back to sleep. It's my new phrase. Can't say parent. Go back to sleep. Can't say son or daughter. Go back to sleep. Man or woman. I got to change the name of the mandate. We gotta call it. I need help here. <laughs> I have help. <laughs> like, come on, it's like I, I just lose my mind. Like, I, I'm not, it's not political. It's just stupid. You see, but, but what I know, but so, so, so I get this stuff, and I look at it, and I want to say, are you, I, I, I just want to respond in my flesh, right? And that's when God does some of his perfecting, right? Some of his perfecting he does. And even now, in the church, there are those that, listen to me, your faith has been shipwrecked because your man hasn't won. Don't let that happen. Come on. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. God has established his own timetable. There's dates on the calendars. There's seasons. There's epochs. They will come to pass. And he is using, he is using, he has used COVID to perfect his church. Because what we found is that God is bigger than our systems. We said it from the get-go, didn't we, Troy? You, wanna, you want us to go to 250, we'll go to two services. You want us to have 50 people, we'll have a 50 people service. You want a 10 people service? We had a 10 people service planned. Man, that was going to be a long day. <laughs> because what we said was doing nothing is not an option, and God is bigger than our system. And if he's not bigger than our system, our system needs scrapped. And then when they said stay at home, we said we'll go to the parking lot. Why? Because God is bigger than the system. And what we find out through COVID is that his church, when we walked into it, going, is how are we going to make it? How are we going to survive? And at the end of it, guess what we found out? God is bigger than COVID. He's perfecting his church even through it. Because it's a testing of your faith. And I want to say to you this morning that some of you, you have found that your families can stand. Your families can make it through. God has seen you through. And I want to say to you, don't you lose heart. You will figure out how to educate your kids and go and, and work and, oh my gosh, and everything else facing you. The Spirit of God who lives in you is the spirit of creativity and ingenuity and craftsmanship and entrepreneurism and everything else you see in the Bible. That Spirit of God will tell you how to get through. In this current, it is the current political state of our country that reveals the state of our hearts and minds sometimes. Times you had to turn off the news, right? Man, if I watch any more of this, 
now has affected my psyche. It's affected my countenance. It's affected my spirit. Is it infected my words? It's infected my speech. And I'm now on a pursuit I shouldn't be on. You see, the church, now listen to me, but the church is being perfected not because it isn't good, but because it isn't perfect. Because it is good. And I'd like to tell some people, to, well, let me be nice. I would like to tell some people too. Please refrain from crushing the church. Actually, I just want to come and shut up. <laughs> Especially when it's pastors and leaders. They're not being, they're not, there's times we admonish the church. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this constant barrage of negativity about Christians and believers because they dare vote for something they believe to be biblical. Not about the man. What about the man? You were hitting the button. I did. I hit the button. Multiple times. And the countdown started over. That doesn't mean you have that much time. Yes, it does. You see, because when it comes to me and you and I here and you there, I'm like God who has authority. We pursue, how do we pursue it? Well, we pursue this perfection by allowing our hearts and minds to be shaped by the culture of God's kingdom. Listen to me, church. Every thought and action of our heart has got to be gauged against the Word of God and the Kingdom of God. And some of our stuff needs to get off Facebook. And some of our stuff needs to get off Twitter. And some of our stuff needs to get off Instagram. And we need to be a witness of a King and a Kingdom, not of this world. Because it is not about becoming Republican. It is about people becoming saved. It is about people becoming Christians. It is about people becoming part of the Kingdom of God because they see the King and the Kingdom in you and me. Oh, there's many a times that I want to lash out. And there's many times that I want to strike out. And there's many times I want to just gut somebody with my words. I told Troy the other day that if my fingers were my tongue, they'd be a bloody stump. I'm just telling you, the stakes are higher than Republican and Democrat. The stakes are heaven and hell. That's the stakes. That is the stakes. And so we allow him to shape us. And the church pursues perfection when it pursues the perfect one. When we pursue him, he perfects us. Hey, Troy. I told you I had a screw loose. <laughs> I might be figuring out why it's wobbling. I got a nut in the washer here. <laughs> I know you lost yours too a long time ago. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's like the movie Hook found the marbles at the end. 
we are to be a pursuing church. But what's our pursuit? Our pursuit is the kingdom. Our pursuit is the king. We pursue the king. We pursue the kingdom. And when we pursue the king in the kingdom, I'm promising you power will become part of your life. Power will become part of the church's life. And he will continue to perfect us. And he will, and it won't matter. It doesn't matter. Listen to me. You say, but Pastor, don't you care? Yeah, I care. I care a lot. I care a lot. But don't confuse care with consumed. And so I say to you that in our own lives, in this era, there is a pursuit. Let's be the church in pursuit. But what are we going to pursue? The kingdom. The king. The king and the kingdom. And it's not just for the country. No. Because how many know your individual life is blessed when you pursue the king and the kingdom? And that you'll go through these trials and you'll go through these times and you'll go through these up and you'll go through these moments of the testing of your faith. Because how many know that it is trials that tries to shipwreck your faith? And then we got to ask ourselves the question, who's my faith in today? Is my faith in a president? Is my faith in who's in the office? Is my faith in a political party? Is my faith in my job? Is my faith in my, is my faith in the teachers? We need teachers. God bless you. I couldn't have done the school, homeschooling. And I never graduated eighth grade because I'd have killed them. But who's my faith in? What's my faith in? The church pursuing. And we pursue the things that make for peace, Paul said. So this week, this week, let's see what the prize is. Let's see what the prize is. The prize is in the White House. It's not. The prize is Jesus. The prize is Jesus. The prize is Jesus. You got Jesus living in the shadow of Trump. Who knows what's going to happen in the next four years, but we still pursue Jesus. Come on. Father, Help us pursue. You pursued us, and now we pursue your kingdom. We want to be a church in pursuit. A church is in a building. It's not an organization. It's not a denomination. The church is the called out believers of God that are to be living in this world with the culture and the value system of the kingdom of God. And Father, we say this day that we need power. We want power. But we want that power to come from the right place. We want that power to come from the kingdom of God, from your spirit who lives within us. And so, Father, today we pray, and our prayer is that we would step into your prophetic timetable, that we would be encouraged that you have times and dates set by your own authority. While we may not see it now, we will see it one day. Father, may we live in that imperfectly perfect state where there is this healthy tension that exists between what we are and what we aren't. And may there always be a tension 
that exists between what we are and what we aren't, what you want us to be and what we are. And yet may we understand that it's you that wills to work in us, that it is you that began a good work in us. And so Lord, may we, in those moments of chagrin over our imperfection, be encouraged that you're perfecting us. And yet let us not be complacent and say it's okay to be imperfect. And so may we pursue you. You are our pursuit. Your kingdom is our pursuit. Bless your people this week, God. Bless this country this week. Guard this country. Guard people. Father, I always pray for truth to be exposed. Justice cannot be had unless there is truth. Truth and justice are married together. But Father, I do not pray for destruction of people. Father, I pray that your blessing would be over this country. I pray for peace. I don't pray for unrest in this world. I don't pray for unrest in this country. So Father, you are sovereign. You are sovereign. While all things are not of you and all things were not created by you in these situations, there is still a sovereignty that you will exercise. And you are who my hope is upon. In Jesus' name, amen.